Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Rachel Hollis podcast. Today I am bringing back one of the most talked about guests, one of the top favorites, one of our most popular episodes about periods hormones, what's going on with your body, what's going on with your cycle, how can we better navigate the ups and the downs and work with our cycle instead of against it. That is what I chatted about with Kristen Ciccolini the first time I had her on the show. That was episode 220. By the way, if you want to go listen and start there. Today, we are continuing our conversation about what it looks like to take the best care of our body, how to eat intuitively, how to take care of your health in ways that support your cycle. So this one is for menstruators or people who love menstruators, but it's another fantastic conversation. I know you're going to dig it as much as I did, and as always... If you like this episode, please share it with someone that you think it can be helpful for. This is my conversation with Kristen. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Uh, hey, how are you? Good. Nice to see you again. Thanks you for having too. me. Yeah, thanks for coming back. Okay, where should we even start? Uh, like maybe not even part of our conversation today, but have you read Period Power by Maisie Hill? Yes, I love okay. it. It's one of my favorites. Wow. It's so good. And I just keep trying to acquire as much knowledge as I can. And I devoured that book. And then I told Nicole and my team, I'm like, you have to go get this. It's so helpful. <laughs> I think what I really appreciated about that, I didn't think that I would want a sort of um, that deep of a dive into what's happening in my body during each phase of my cycle. But I found that she wrote it and maybe it's because she's English, but she wrote it in such a way where it was like, so real, like your girlfriend kind of telling you like, here's, this is going to feel like shit, but here's this thing that's happening and you know, whatever. So I really loved that one. Of all the books that I've read, that one's my favorite. I do love her approach. I love the personality also how she, I mean, I talk about it in terms of moon phases. She talks about it in terms of seasons and it's just right. another perspective. So, uh, I just, I really aligned with what she talked about and how she talked about it. And especially because she brings in the whole feminist perspective, talking about like the patriarchal aspects. And that's something I am always talking about. Right. So, <laughs> but in terms of, um, in terms of other books, I really like woman code. That one's a great one. Also the fifth vital sign by Lisa Hendricks, Hendricks and Jack. Uh, that one is more focused on the fertility awareness method, which is something um, I think we talked about in the last yeah. episode. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting too. Just that terminology of the fifth vital sign is something I hadn't really 
ever heard before until I started to research and learn more about this topic. Um, can you just sort of explain for someone who's never heard that reference, can you explain what that means? Yeah. So when you think about your vital signs, I mean, you're probably picturing like you, you've been watching Grey's Anatomy or I don't watch that. I was, I was going to say ER, but I'm like, that's a dated reference. <laughs> but you know, you're thinking vital signs, like your blood pressure, your heart rate. And you know, I, I'm slipping my mind the other two, but you know, they're very important signs that tell you exactly how your body is doing. Like if something, if one of those are off, something's wrong, you know? So your menstrual cycle is considered your fifth vital sign, or it's recommended to be considered your fifth vital sign because it is an indicator of your overall health. If something is going wrong, you might experience it in the cycle. So I think we talked about last time about how, you know, PMS isn't necessarily normal. It's very common, but that doesn't mean it's normal. Um, that's, that's an example of an indicator of how something might manifest if something's wrong. And I love that reminder for an audience that is predominantly women who listen to this show to just sort of ask better questions about what any of this is supposed to look like or feel like to us. Because uh, that is some within, maybe you are the first person who ever said to me like, oh no, you shouldn't actually, your PMS shouldn't be that bad. Your cramp shouldn't be that bad. You shouldn't be bleeding this heavily or this much to the point that it's making you feel weak. And I have just accepted my whole adult life that these things are normal and sort of this mm -hmm. like, Oh, it sounds so cheesy, but like this, you know, curse of womanhood, uh, like having a period and having all of these things and in learning more, number one, starting to question what normal I'm using air quotes if, if people can't see me, but what normal is supposed to be. And also what are some things that I can do that we can do as women to help ourselves navigate these time periods. So the reason that I love getting to talk to you or getting to read these books is having a better understanding of what's happening in my body during specific weeks of the month. And then I love in, and you sort of, I don't know if you use the word superpowers, but that's kind of how she describes it in period power. She's like, during this week, yeah, you're not really going to be great at like starting a new project or building a company, but you're going to have really great intuition and you're going to be able to sort of come into yourself and like rest and make better decisions. And that is not something anybody ever taught me. Were you taught no. this as a little girl or you learned it as an adult? Lena, I, I learned it as an adult. Definitely. It's, it's something that's why I'm so vocal about it now, because it's such new information to most people that I talk to, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> maybe we could go down this path if you want to, but it's, a, it's definitely from the patriarchal structures in our society, it starts, should I go into this? Do you want me sure. to go on a range oh, yeah. rampage no, about yeah, this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's really wise. Even like, <laughs> even the idea, and I've never researched this, but even the idea that it's called a period, like it's such a weird, like, oh, this was the period where like your wife wasn't available for you or like, mm -hmm. why is it called a period? a cycle, a menses, like there's all of these words that would be more appropriate than that. So yeah, go wherever you want to go, wherever your heart leads you. <laughs> well, I was thinking as you were saying this, as we're, you know, we're not taught about these things and you have to think about why and where this comes from. And it starts at like the very top where it's the institutions that, do, that do research and determine what is deemed important enough to be studied. 
And a lot of the times women or people who menstruate are not included in research studies. It actually wasn't until 1993 that there was a regulation that women were, had to be included in research studies. There was no requirement before. And that is only for the National Institutes of Health, which I believe is only like six or 7% of all clinical studies. So it is not something that's super common, super enforced. Um, It is, you know, it's nice when we're included. And when we are included, it's not necessarily parsed out by cycle phase either. So that, you know, the research is just not meant for us a lot of the time. So, you know, it starts up there and that information informs the medical community. It informs, you know, doctors that are learning in school. It informs how, you know, we as students are learning in school about our bodies and biology class and how much we get to learn. Um, and, you know, it, it just, it's, it trickles down <laughs> and it, it, you go to the doctor, they dismiss you. Maybe they don't even know. I mean, they know some about the menstrual cycle, but maybe they don't know a lot about the things that you're bringing to them in terms of your symptoms. And there's just so much misinformation and it's, it, it, when I talk about it, it feels very overwhelming. Like it's, it's a problem that we can't tackle because it's just everywhere. But I like, I try in my, in my little way, I try to, you know, spread information and help people out and educate. And there are those others like me who are doing the same. So I'm hoping that with those little bits here and there that we can, you know, find our power and try to work with our bodies instead of getting stuck in that patriarchal structure. Absolutely. And I think what I hope that people get out of our conversation and, and I will just say, Kristen and I had another conversation that you should go back and start with and sort of go down this trail with us. But what I hope that women will get out of our conversation is a desire or maybe some empowerment to take ownership of their own experience. Uh, Because this is only something, like I wish that I could tell you that I got really into this because I'm a woman and I wanted to practice the greatest form of self-care, which would be to know my body and to love it well and to treat it gracefully. But I really fell down this particular rabbit hole because I had a hormone imbalance and I didn't know what was going on, but I felt a little bit like I was going crazy. And in learning to the the steps that I could take to balance my hormones, I just started gathering all of this information. It's how I actually found you because I was just Googling like, is it the food I'm eating? Is it like, why do I feel crazy? That was a huge deal. And it, I, I am a very dramatic person, but I cannot overstate how much this journey has changed my life like utterly changed my life because it's changed my emotions. You know, I'm a mom of four kids and I can't think of anything that is more upsetting or frustrating to me than when I feel like, like right now, I I just started my period yesterday and yesterday I was very emotional and I put my five-year-old daughter to bed and she was just like, you know, pushing every button that she, and I was like, oh, so frustrated. And I lay with her every night while she falls asleep. And as she was falling asleep, she like, I just like felt so sad. Cause I was like, man, you didn't do that bedtime. That wasn't your best bedtime. Like you didn't do that well. And I knew that I had felt sort of shorter control of myself because my emotions are off, but there's such a grace in understanding that now and not sort of thinking like, yep, you're a piece of crap. Like you suck as a mom, you know, but I actually know what's going on and I know how to help myself. So if someone's at the beginning of this journey, 
where, you know, where do they start? Where do they go? What should they do to understand what's going on in their body? Learning about your body just allows you to have so much more self compassion in those moments where maybe you aren't feeling your best and you can kind of take a step back and look at, okay, what's going on here? Why did that happen? How can I maybe do better next time? Um, so in terms of where to start, I would say at the very least, you know, I want, I, I want everyone tracking their cycle just because we want to learn all this great information, but at the very least, if you're not tracking, um, the flow of your cycle or anything like that, at the very least, just your energy, your energy levels, and mm-hmm. maybe in your mood as well, so that you can see that if there's any patterns in how you're feeling. So just like you were saying, it's the beginning of your period, you know, at this time that your emotions are a little heightened and you're not feeling so great. Maybe you don't handle certain situations so well, you can plan for that the next time around, you know, maybe in the moment, it's not going to be so perfect all the time in the moment, but again, there's that self-compassion. And also if you are anticipating a situation, then you can better plan for how you can approach it. Right. Uh, just a quick note on that for anybody listening who's like, oh, how do I, or what do I do? I'm sure there's all sorts of different ways and there's great apps. I, I think we talked about last time I, for a long time, used an app called Clue. Um, and I, I liked that, but I didn't feel like it was sort of the information that I wanted. So I just keep a note. I have an ongoing note on my phone for like the last four or five months. And it literally is just day one of my cycle. And there's just a few notes, right? So like I was feeling really low energy today. Um, kind of felt myself crash after lunch. And the other thing that has really helped me, which I, I feel like you'll vibe with is um, I'll also write how I was eating that day because mm-hmm. I'm constantly trying to tweak and see, oh, um, if I had a lot more greens um, on this day, did that kind of help with inflammation where the cramps not as bad or whatever? Something simple like I started having ginger tea, like I love fresh ginger. And so I started just um, really like two times a day is leading up to my period. And on my period just started drinking it. Cause I heard it was anti-inflammatory and I wanted to see. And last month was so much better. Like I just felt so much better. I was like, Oh my God, this worked. So my ability to track. And I, when I was about to start this time, I was like, Oh yeah, the ginger tea. So I do a note in my phone. Are there ways that you or apps you love or like, how do you, or, you know, your cycle so well now you don't need to track. Like what's your vibe? No, I definitely track. I track everything every day. (laughs) I love, I love this stuff. So it, for me, it's, it feels like an experiment with myself and I just like learning all this information. So what I personally do, I use the app Kindara. Kindara, it's, it's overwhelming if you're not sure what all of the stuff is because it is based on the fertility awareness method. We talked last time about, you know, tracking your cervical mucus, your basal body temperature. That's what that app's all about. Um, so that's what I use. And also I use a pen and paper journal to write down the each day, how I'm feeling. So I can just, you know, look back and forth and see if there are any patterns, but you know, it can be as simple as just using pen and paper, or you could use an app. You can, you know, just do whatever you want. If you want to journal every day and then take a look, I've seen people do, um, they can write with a red pen during their menstrual phase so that they can quickly like flip back and see what was going on the last time around and see those patterns. So it can be, it can be very simple. I do like clue clues, a really good one. Um, 
Stardust is a fun one. <laughs> I think that's what it's called. Stardust. That one's like a witchy one. And it's the, the notifications that you get are really fun. But yeah, I would say Kendara and Clue are my two favorites. And then for, if you want a little fun into it, Stardust is a good one. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. I will also say, I can't remember if we talked about this last time. I'm sure we did. But when I first started tracking, it was when I realized, uh, because I didn't know my cycle at all, I didn't understand, oh, like this is when you're you know, estrogen is peaking or this is when the progesterone, like this is what's happening. And so I had this day, which I now understand was like day 20 that I was, I felt like a, I felt like a monster. Like I just so angry, just zero patience for anybody. And every month when it would happen, I would be like, I'm a terrible person. I can't. And it wasn't until I realized like, oh, it's happening on the same day every month. And I finally just Googled, like, is something happening on the 20th day of my cycle and found out that the hormones were were going wild. So just, it's sort of that thing, like infant information is power and it even just normalizing how you're feeling, or I think, you know, I have the most amazing partner in my boyfriend who's like my cycle as well as I, my cycle of just sort of being like, do you, do you need to be like, he did this last night. He was like, why don't you just go, um, here's some tea, just go be alone. Just because he knew that was exactly what I didn't want to be. I didn't want anyone to hug me. I didn't want to talk. I just wanted to be by myself. So it, I just, I, I know I'm jabbering, but I feel like I want so desperately for women to understand that there's more going on than you need to self-medicate for, or you need to feel shame about, or like it just working with your body is it's exactly what you said working with it instead of against it um that is that is a perk of knowing your cycle is being able to share it with your partner like that um because I've I've heard some people do this I don't do this but I think this is a great idea where you can keep a shared google calendar and put your phases in there. If you know when they're coming and you know, um, and you're tracking well, and it's regular, you can plan for it. And they know they, they can see that in the calendar and think like, okay, I'm going nowhere near her today. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
it's so real or like oh I'll, maybe I'll bring her a cookie home like a surprise cookie or yeah. even just for yourself just to know that information for yourself because um I don't know I I, I I, it makes me kind of sad when I think of how much this would have been life-changing information for me to have had when I got my first period, you know, yeah. to even understand nobody taught me. I, I came from a very religious family. We didn't talk about anything. We didn't talk about our bodies. You know, you were, it was shameful to be naked. It was shameful to have sex, to have a body, like all of it. Right. And, you know, my parents did the best they could. They were doing, they were playing out the narrative that they had been given, but. Um, I never, as a, as a teenage girl had any idea when my period was coming. Never. I like, this is health class, right? Like, I don't remember anyone ever saying, if you count the days or roughly around this time next month, you're going to want to put pads in your backpack so that you don't have an accident at school. Like I just, nobody gave me that information. And I think that's why I had a lot of shame. And I think that's why I had a lot of I hated my period for most of my life, hated it. Like I'd be like, oh, it's this, you know, every freaking month it's here again and so much. And I wondered a lot lately how much that contributed to bad cramps and feeling crappy and having PMS. Because if you are at odds with your body's natural rhythm, like if you feel angry about your body doing what it's supposed to be doing, that can't, that's not going to feel like a good process. Like, do you, have you ever read Louise Hay? Yes. Yes. Okay. So Louise Hay, like her OG original 50 million copies sold, you can heal your life, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. She talks a lot in that book about different pain in the body is a um, expression of different emotional feelings. And I was like, oh, I wonder what cramps are. Just like curious what she said cramps are. And she was like, it's tension within yourself. And that could be all kinds of cramps, right? Stomach cramps or PMS or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I definitely wondered how much psychologically it affects us. If you hate your period, how does that affect your body's ability to naturally, in a way that feels good, do what it's supposed to be doing? Absolutely. There's definitely a psychological component. And so when you're explaining about all the feelings you're feeling about this, what I'm hearing is the the main issue behind all of it is just the lack of education. So you come from a religious background. It's yes, that's, that's definitely a component to it. I came from a semi-religious background, but people who have no religious background, all of us, we all share this in common that we did not know any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then also in common that there's shame around it, that we feel like we hate it, that we dread it every month. And why do we dread it? Because we're taught that it's a shameful thing. We're taught that it's dirty. And and for a lot of people, it doesn't feel great. You know, they have terrible cramps and, and heavy flow. And especially when you're a teenager and that stuff is happening, God forbid you have an accident at school, you know, it's, it's very difficult. And we're not taught about these things. You did not know when your period was coming because you didn't know how to track it. You weren't told how to do that. And so, you know, I'll just, I mean, what I was hearing is just the underlying thing is just that lack of education. And that's why it's so important that we're having this conversation. 
will say to, I mean, my daughter's five. So I have a lot of like ideas about how different this will be. Like I already talked to her about it. She's seen me like on my peer, like she, and what's that? And I'm like, Oh, once a month. Cause I'm just, I want to normalize it for her because it wasn't even my boys. No, they'll be like, it, it's like a running joke in our family. Like, Oh, mom bought cookies <laughs> must be on her period. Like, <laughs> but it's very normal for us to have it. Or even last night, my oldest son came in to my room when I was sort of sitting there having my tea by myself. He's like, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm having cramps. He's like, Oh, you got your heating pad. Like he knows. So what That's would great. you say? <laughs> yeah. What would you say to, Oh, and I will just add a little side note on that. Cause I have teenage boys in this effort to normalize it. I saw the cutest, coolest, like story on Instagram about a year ago where this boy had come home. He was in middle school. He had come home and he asked his mom for like two tampons and a pad or something, or like, what do I do? What could I have? And she was like, why do you need this? And he said, Oh, um, I'm on my parents. And it's going to make me want to cry. But, um, he said, Oh, his friend who was a girl had an accident at school and she was so embarrassed. And he was like, could I just keep some in my backpack? So like, if I had a friend who needed, I know I'm literally crying and I screenshot it and I said it to my boys and I was like, do you want this? Like I will. They were like, sure. But I've had conversations with them. I was like, man, if you don't do anything else in this life, if you ever see a girl, a woman, if you ever see someone who has had, like, give her your sweatsh, take off your shirt, walk behind her, hand her your backpack, like help that girl. Sorry, went off on a tangent. What <laughs> advice would you give to, can you tell how excited I am to talk to you, Kristen? I'm like <laughs> talking way too fast. You're like, calm down, Rach. What advice oh, would you give great. to a and mom <laughs> who has a teenager or has a 11 year old girl and she know, you know, she, it, we're close. Like we're going to have our first period to normalize it. If it's not something she's ever talked about, or maybe the mom feels really uncomfortable and, you know, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say learn together. If it's something, if, especially if it's something that's new to the mom, not to plug my podcast, but listen to my podcast together. Yeah. <laughs> the very first episode, we talk about in depth, the menstrual cycle. And I've had people say that they've listened to it with their kids before. So that's something if you are learning together, maybe having listening to it and then having a conversation like, did you know that? Did you know? What do you think about that? You know, and just trying to normalize the conversation, especially when you yourself are having you as the parent are having your period. Watch how you talk about it, you know, not dread, not saying how much you dread it or how awful it is. You know, if you are, if you are experiencing a painful period or something like that, be honest about it. And also know that that's not make it so that they are dreading when it happens to them. Um, so I think again, it's, it all goes back to the educational component, but I also think, you know, just normalizing it happening and, Maybe they can see how you deal with it. If you use pads, tampons, cup, disc, whatever it is that you use, show them how to use it or watch YouTube videos together on how to use it. Maybe you are both using it for the first time yourself. I mean, not in the same, yeah. room, but you know, <laughs> totally. you know, just, yeah, just a, a shared experience. Um, well, isn't it funny? I learned how to use a tampon by just like stabbing myself repeatedly <laughs> until I figured because. If you don't know, you're so confused about the angle of a tampon. You're, it's so, oh, yeah. it's not at all the angle. If we have any like 
because I do have teenage girls who listen to this. If you've never put a tampon in, it is Google it, YouTube it. It's a different direction than you think it is. But I remember that I figured it out. And then my best friend, Kim, also wanted to use tampons. And I remember outside my bathroom door, Kim's in there like, it, no, my body is not. Rachel, I know you're telling me that there's no way this can't. And I was like, <laughs> aim it towards your back. Like, it's not that it was so funny. So I think it would be really great if my mom had ever explained to me how to use, even if it was awkward. And I think you can laugh about it. And I think you could say like, I know this is a little like whatever, but you'd rather know than not know, right? Like it's better for you to have this information than be confused. So laughing about it, I think definitely, gosh, I can't probably, probably the most important thing is how you interact with your period, how you engage with the conversation around it. And in terms of like you're saying, laughing about it, definitely laugh about it. It's weird. Bodies are gross. It's fine. And you know, teenagers are going to be like, Oh mom, come on. (laughs) But it's just, you want to try to have fun around it. And also I I was thinking, um, I'm thinking back to a conversation that I had recently. We talked about having accidents and what to do when that happens. And it's also important for you to model behavior when that happens to you, or if it does, you know, rather than being like, Oh, this is awful. It's just like, okay, you know what? Just, you know, grab a sweater, tie it around my waist rather than making a huge deal of it. Like, yeah, it sucks. Your pants are dirty, but at least you can, you know, model how you move forward and not make it a huge deal. Absolutely. I I mean, I think as you're talking about that, I'm, I'm realizing we're having a conversation about our cycle, but I also think it's the same for women modeling the relationship they have with their body in general, right? So it's not, um, this is absolutely a huge major component of it, but I think about how I never really focused that much on it until I had a daughter and then wanted to really make sure that I had um, very graceful and loving conversations about my body. Because for instance, like right now, you can imagine I'm on my period. So I'm more bloated than I normally am. I'm wearing like a more comfortable pair of pants today. I'm not in the like tight Levi's trying to look all, but I think that if I'm not conscious of that, then I could talk about my body in a way that isn't healthy. First of all, it's not even healthy for me to think, let alone say, and it's definitely mm-hmm. not healthy for her to hear. You know, I never want her to grow up hearing like, oh, I'm so bloated or like, I'm so fat or I don't use that language. But I think it's worth, if we're going to talk about this and we have mamas who are listening for them to think about how often they may say things that are a negative comment about your body's natural cycle and even ask, where did that language come from? Because you didn't come into this world hating your body. That's a learned behavior. So maybe even imagining, did I ever hear my mom say this? Did I ever hear, what did my mom say about her body? What did my mom say about her period? And am I about to pass down a, a negative cycle onto the next generation? Yeah, absolutely. It does tie in well into just how you talk about your body in general. And I think, I mean, that's why I do a lot with intuitive eating as well. It it really does align because with cycle syncing and paying attention to your cycle, that all requires intuition because you're learning about your body. Intuition 
information is information that you observe and, you know, keep in your little library and <laughs> it, it all pulls from that. And so you can intuitively know how to treat yourself throughout the month because you know what's happening when, and you know that, you know, when you feel a certain way, you naturally know this is how you deal with it because you've been learning about it throughout your cycle journey, you know? I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to say, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend, but more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I know we discussed it last time, but I feel like it's such an important conversation. Will you... And they can go back and listen to the original podcast, but will you just give a, a, an idea to anybody who's unfamiliar with what intuitive eating is and how you can begin to notice what's going to work for your body and what's not? Yes. So intuitive eating, it's a framework created by two dietitians, Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Fresh. And it's an approach to health that focuses on nurturing your body rather than the diet mentality, like everything that we're talking about here, like the way you talk about your body and, you know, the cycle of restriction and hyper-focus on perfect nutrition. And it prioritizes mental health along with your physical health and is just much more sustainable um, than the typical diets that you're used to, or you may be used to. 
And so there are 10 principles and I can go through them if you want to, but the, I think the foundational thing with intuitive eating is just building in awareness. And that's always going to be the first step to changing anything. You can't change something if you don't know what the problem is, right? So developing an awareness around how foods make you feel and why you're reaching for certain foods. I think those are two main things. So that's um, contained within the principles, but those are, I think the biggest ones that I like to talk about with people. So let's, let's break that down really quickly, just for anybody who, who wants a deeper dive. So how foods make you feel and what was the other one? Like, was it why we're reaching for certain things? <laughs> why? Yes. <laughs> I was like, wait, what did I say five seconds ago? Yeah. Um, yes. Why? Like examining your cravings. Right. Okay. So let's, let's start with how foods make you feel because I, I'm going to assume I'm not the only person who grew up eating a certain way and never, uh, honestly did not give a crap how the food made me feel after I only cared about how it made me feel when I was eating it. Right. So I grew up in a family, lots of emotional eating and home life was very chaotic and hard and absolutely learned that eating something that was delicious would make me feel better in that moment. And to be honest, Kristen, I was so disconnected from my body and like every way that it never even occurred to me, oh yeah, you feel sick after you ate nachos and beer because your body's like revolting against what you just ate. I just, such disconnection that I just sort of ignored it, went on to the next thing, or now I'm going to have ice cream because at least if I have ice cream, I'm going to feel happy again, even if I'm making things in my body worse. Mm -hmm. So this maybe sounds silly. And I know that a lot of listeners are conscious and they get it, but I also guarantee that there's some woman listening to this who's never had the correlation before between, you know, I was, I was interviewing my doctor the other day and he said, um, you want to eat foods that love you back. Like, I know you love that thing, but does it love you back? Does it make you feel good? So could you talk a bit about how you're supposed to feel? when you eat something that's good for you and, and what side effects are when your body is having a visceral response to the ice cream? Yeah. So I I like that sentiment, love, uh, eat foods that love you back. And I would also add to that, that it's okay. If it doesn't love you back, that's just information for you to work with because the way I like to look at it is just all of this is neutral information and you get to decide to do with that you get to decide what you do with that information. And that's how I like to approach it is just eating with intention. So what it feels like when, I mean, you know, when you feel good, when you eat something that makes you feel really good, you're energized, you, you know, you're, you don't have that fatigue or brain fog throughout the day. You feel energized, motivated. You're just in a good mood. And if you, if something is revolting against you, I think you might also know what that feels like, but also it can be a little bit more subtle. So maybe, maybe it's not the food itself. Maybe it's the amount of food that we've eaten. We've eaten past our level of comfort, which can happen, especially if it's a food that we restrict often. And then we get in that panic mode of like, I don't know when I'm going to eat this again. So I better eat all of it right now. (laughs) So, yeah. So, I mean, I think that I mean, many of us have that experience where we've eaten beyond the point of comfort and that can feel 
like cramping in your stomach. It can feel like your pants are very tight and very uncomfortable. It can, you can eat till you're physically ill. And, um, you know, as I say this, you may be thinking of experiences that you've had in the past that you can sort of put to, to these descriptions. So, um, I feel like you, you kind of have an idea of how you might feel when you feel good and when you feel bad, but it's more of what foods are doing that for you that you have to start to learn to develop an awareness around because, you know, maybe, maybe one food will make you feel great one day, but maybe later in your cycle, it might not feel good. So I remember last time we talked about how you had discovered that raw raw food was just no good for you Right, right. (laughs) that you did work with your body. So maybe in your ovulatory phase, maybe test this out. In your ovulatory phase, that's when your estrogen is high, your energy is high, you're feeling very strong, your body's strong, your digestion is strong. So that's usually when it's recommended to have those raw foods, have a big raw salad if you want it, and your body will probably process it better than in your menstrual phase, for instance. So maybe if you have tested that out, let me know. I but have, you have you're totally, you have, because okay. <laughs> right. I, I thought it was all the time, but it absolutely is that, or like, I love lentils. I love legumes. I love things like that. And there was a very specific week in my cycle that will make me so nauseous, so sick. Like everything goes wrong if I have them, whereas other times they make me feel really great and it gives me good energy. So I love that advice to check where you are in your cycle. And that's why I also love, um, tracking how I'm feeling and then what I ate. Cause I'm like, Ooh, just remember, we're not going to have lentil soup during this phase ever again. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I did want to add too, cause this is something I didn't know growing up or even for most of my adult life is, you know, we're describing these foods can make you feel really good. And these obviously you, your body has a reaction to, but I also think it's worth people looking into inflammation because I think there are definitely foods for me that they won't hurt my stomach. So I wouldn't really be conscious of them not being good for me overall. But I began to notice like, man, every time I have, you know, French bread or whatever pasta, or like sort of those refined whatever I start, I'm acting like, I don't know why I'm moving around. Like there's something wrong with my back, but I start to feel it in my back. Like I I just sort of feel inflamed. I don't feel myself. So paying attention to that, because I definitely grew up in a home where I was taught there's a pill for that. That was like my dad's favorite quote. There's a pill for that. Whatever you need, there's a pill for that. And um, so I was, uh, I mean, just lived on ibuprofen, Tylenol, Advil, just grew up, had it all the time. It was very normal for me to have that as part of maybe even every day, just like any ache or pain, not understanding how horrible that is for your gut health and how horrible it is for your body, but also that often there are decisions that you can make about the food you're eating or what's inflaming your system where you're not gonna feel those aches and pains in the first place. So it's about treating the root cause instead of just the symptom. Right, and what you can do is, I mean, you mentioned tracking. So you can track your food and along with your mood. So sometimes I'll have people do a food and mood journal, not like a My Fitness Pal thing where you're yeah, logging yeah, yeah, every yeah. last teaspoon of thing. Definitely not like that. Just like a description of what you ate. Like I had this sandwich. This is what was in it. This is how I felt. And just keeping that in a journal. And so over time, you can notice. Okay, I'm feeling this when I eat this. Um, 
tomatoes or, you know, I feel this way when I eat bread or, you know, so you can start again, it all comes down to like education and then tracking and patterns, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So you can, you can do that. And also if, even if that level of food journaling is triggering to you, maybe consider taking photos of your food. Um, so it's less of, you know, actually focusing on every ingredient and we're just like, take a picture sure. And here's how I felt, you know, so right. there are different ways that you can approach it, but it, that's, that is a couple ways that you can start to develop that awareness. Yeah. I love this idea too, because I really, it, it's worth saying, because you talked about being triggering. Um, I think both of us are aligned in the idea that we want people, we want women, we want whoever's listening to feel great. I want you to feel great. It's not about how you look. It's not about diet. It's not about weight loss. It's none of that. It's that if you can really be connected to your body and connected to the way that it feels during different times of the month, the way that it feels when you eat that food, you're just, I honestly, I think it's the greatest form of self-care. I think we, you know, we sort of are taught that self-care is like, you know, to get a pedicure or take a bubble bath. And I can't think of any way to love yourself better than to know yourself. And there are times, don't get me wrong, I'm the first person. It was my best friend's birthday last weekend. I flew to LA. My three best girlfriends were at dinner. Like I definitely had margaritas. I absolutely. And I knew the choice I was making. There was intentionality behind that, right? Like it's a celebration. I knew it wasn't going to be at my absolute best the next day. Um, just in terms of like, I'm going to be moving a little slower. I'm making it sound like I was hungover and I'm not, sorry. I just <laughs> want to clarify. I'm 39. I have four kids. I would rather die than be hungover. But it's a conscious choice that there are times in life where it's Thanksgiving and, you know, I don't always get to have my mom's casserole and I'm going to eat something I know is not the best, but there's intentionality behind it. And I think it's all about the the goal is that you feel great and that you're making decisions consciously because I think most of us were raised to approach food in an unconscious way. You know, we did it as a something to make us feel better, or maybe it was just like we were doing it, we were just eating and not thinking about it. And it, there really is power in that information. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think with intuitive eating, people misunderstand it and think that it's eat only when you're hungry, stop when you're full. And that's not always the case. It is things like what you're talking about eating intentionally and things maybe you know, like Thanksgiving. Okay. Maybe you're not hungry at one o'clock in the afternoon when my family tends to eat things, Thanksgiving. (laughs) but you know that you're going to have a day ahead of you and you're planning for it and it's going to be great. So bringing it back to what you, what you're saying about feeling good, that's where examining your cravings can come in and thinking about, okay, is this food that I want? Is it going, or first, first ask, how do I want to feel? And then you can ask, is this food going to make me feel that way? And it, the answer could be yes. The answer could be no. Sometimes the food is what you need to be happy and that's totally fine. If yeah. the answer is no, this food isn't going to get me there. You can think about what will get you there or you could still go ahead and eat it if you want to. Again, it is that intentionality behind it that's important because what I would like people to try this is you know, you know, your experience when you're eating on autopilot, all of a sudden your hand is at the bottom of the bag of chips and you're like, Oh no, I feel awful. When did, where did I just blacked out and ate all of this? Where did it go? (laughs) (laughs) 
And that is, that's a much different feeling than going into it with intention saying, okay, I want these chips. You know, I know that what happened last time didn't make me feel so good. I might not feel so good after this, but I know that, and I'm just going to enjoy every last part of it. And by the end of that, it just feels so much different. There's less guilt. There's, there's more compassion for yourself. You're like, you know what? I expected this and I'm, I'm sailing through it. And <laughs> just I also think it. you appreciate what you're eating, right? Yeah, like you when you take a moment to like actually enjoy think about it, because you're like, yeah. if I'm going to do this, like, let's have a good time while we're here. I love that reminder. I love that, like that slowing down and that connection. Do you, we're going to get into like just real hippie stuff for one second. Cause I love feel it. like you can go here with me, but <laughs> do you do anything like kinesiology? Do you do any sort of asking your body pendulum? Like, do you do anything where you're, I know this is witchy stuff and there's like 10% of the listenership who will understand what I'm saying to sort of know this food's going to be great for me or it's not, or you just ask yourself and like, no. I do use a pendulum, but not for food. Yeah. <laughs> I use it for right. other things. I never actually thought about using it for food. Usually it's just thinking about like, what, why am I having this craving? Am I physically hungry? When's the last time I ate? If, if I know that it's not physical hunger, if I know that there's an emotion behind it, what is that emotion? What's causing it? How can I fix it? How can I fix it without food? And again, if it's food that you need to fix it, that's fine. Just thinking about it first is really important. One of my good friends, Kimberly, who's been on the podcast before, is um, an energy healer and got her training originally with kinesiology and sort of muscle testing and that whole thing. So between her and then another one of my teachers, I um, there's a thing where, okay, where I'm going to sound... I'm going to sound however I'm going to sound listeners. This is a thing you can Google it, watch it on YouTube, whatever. And I've taught my kids to do this as well, that your body, like when you're feeling disconnected from your intuition, your body, your gut, your instinct always knows the answer. And so one of the things I learned to do from a teacher is to stand both feet on the ground. I like to do a barefoot, but uh, you know, in a pinch, you're fine. Uh, So stand uh, hands at your side, close your eyes, take a deep breath ground yourself and ask your body, what is a yes? And the first time I did this, I did it several times. And essentially your body, my body um, sways a bit forward is a yes for my body. It's very much like a pendulum. And then what's a no? And it's back. And I tested it many times over many weeks to like know for sure that that's what it was. And now I do this with food and I won't lie and say I do it every single time because sometimes in a hurry or I've eaten this thing before. But often I'm blessed to be able to work from home. And so I've got a full kitchen in there. And if I'm not careful, I will make choices that maybe I wouldn't normally make because I'm hungry or I'm in a hurry or whatever. And so I just started doing that. Like, do I want a smoothie? You know, and my body always knows. And what's interesting is that oftentimes what my body will say yes for is really not what I was craving at that moment. It always works. I always feel great. I always have the energy I need. I feel full. I don't feel any side effects from what it was. And there are times that I've ignored it because I'm like, no, I really want, uh, I just am really craving a green smoothie right now. And it doesn't go well. And I don't know if it's because it's a different cycle or what, but um, I would recommend if people feel like if you're listening, you're like, oh man, I don't even know where to start with my intuition. There's a lot. You can look up kinesiology. You can look up a pendulum. You can look up sort of muscle testing or body testing 
it's not woo-woo, it's not magic, it's not witchy, it's literally asking yourself, what do you want? And it's a wild process, but I've taught my kids to do it now too. It really works. That's a fun experiment to do, especially when you go against what your body said and you can see how it turns out and you're like, oh, okay, that's what happens when I don't listen to this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I tell clients to do something pretty similar where it's more like have do a little bit of meditation. And then when you're feeling kind of intuitive and in tune with yourself, when you're feeling pretty chill, then you can ask yourself, what kind of food do I want right now? Or like what nutrients do I need right now? Or if you're thinking about exercise, what kind of movement do I want right now? And sometimes the answer might surprise you. And then, like I just said, you can, you can go with it or not, and then see how that works out for you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think what I'm tripping out on right now, and I'm going to say the most obvious statement ever is I'm realizing even in the last couple of months, I cannot expect myself to function the same way during this next week. Uh, And I think that this is true for all of us. There's a week of my cycle. I want to run 12 miles. There's a week of my cycle. I want to only do very slow vinyasa yoga. There's a week of my cycle. Like right now, I I did the minimum. I did I went out to the garage this morning. I did some stretching. That's all I got right now. And there was so many years of my life where I would feel so mad at myself for not being able to do the same thing or pushing myself and then feeling crap. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if we can just listen to our body, it will tell us what we need and it'll all work out. Not just okay, but great. But we're living into this ideal that we, it's almost like, oh, we're going to eat the same things every week. We're going to go to the same gym and do the same workout every week. And that's not, I don't think that's how we're wired. Do you change it up during the different weeks of your cycle? Yeah, totally. I'll have all these grand plans for myself. Like I have this regimen that I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and every day. And then the day comes and like, I, I don't feel like doing that today. Yeah. But so I, but that's the thing, like you can create a plan for yourself. I mean, we are, we're so conditioned to follow a very rigid routine when it comes to fitness. Like you have to go all out five days a week and whatever. Um, and it is nice to have some structure, especially for someone who doesn't, you know, doesn't do well, especially, I mean, I'm no fitness expert, but I, I, I do like to have structure. I'm a Virgo. I love that. So what I'll do, however, is I'll have that structure, but I'll check in my, with myself the day of and think, okay, do I actually want to do this today? Because if I don't want to do it and I force myself to, I might feel depleted afterwards. And I mean, there, you know yourself best. There could be a difference of like, I don't want to get off the couch. I'm just being lazy. Or it's like, no, I really don't have the energy today. And if I do this, it will really work against me. So again, you know, you know, your personal levels and when you can, you can stand to push it a little bit or not. Cause I mean, pushing yourself can be good, but you you don't want to overdo it, you know? Yeah. And I would say, I I love, I believe in movement every day. I just, I have for years and I am a better human when I move, but my movement might be walking the dog literally, or like dancing with my daughter to the frozen soundtrack in the kitchen. I just want to be intentional about doing something where I'm, I'm intentionally moving my body. I'm sort of getting blood flow, jumping up and down, whatever it is. 
because the times that I found, it's like such a good point. The times that I found where I will go extended periods of time and don't do anything are not, it, it's as detrimental to me as, you know, doing too much. So I just think it's worth, this is why tracking is so important is because it really allows you to learn yourself. Um, I was just curious, do you ever coach anybody who has a partner in their life who doesn't get this, doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't, isn't interested, couldn't care less? Like, what do you do if you're trying to learn yourself? Maybe you even know, like, hey, I need quiet time or I need this or I don't really want to talk to anybody right now. And you're in a relationship with someone who isn't supportive of that or can't understand it? Like, have you ever coached anyone who's gone through that? No. And I would say dump them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, honestly, all of my clients have very supportive partners. They are learning about this stuff too, and actually think it's pretty cool. I mean, I feel like maybe that's not a very nice blanket statement to make, but if your partner isn't supportive of your natural rhythms, that's a problem. You know, we can't all be the same person. Yeah. It's a huge problem. <laughs> I mean, because that's another way that you know, the patriarchal structures, you know, we right. can't fit into their expectations of who we should be day after day. We have to fit our body's natural changes and they have to understand that that's, that's the thing we change every single day. Think about how many cultures, I mean, going back historically where, you know, women, and this, this still happens today, where if you were on your period, you were unclean, you weren't allowed to touch anybody. You definitely weren't allowed to have sex. You needed to go live in a different place. Like there, it's not to say everyone's on their own journey. And if your partner is not supportive or grossed out or weird or whatever, they have a reason for being the way that they are. But I don't think that it's something that you should accept or, or normalize or frankly be okay with because I've been, um, you know, I'm real wild, Kristen. I've been with two men in my whole life. (laughs) And even I'm with someone who's like, really, my, my boyfriend is very conscious and grew up around women is very normal. Like the very first time you will appreciate this. When we were first dating, I had really bad cramps. It was a really um, hard period. And he had come over to the house and he knew that I was hurting. And he like lit, he was like, I'm just gonna, and he did Palo Santo and like cleared my energy. And I was like, I will love you forever. Like we're, we're done. Like, (laughs) he's like, let me just hold you. Let me just clear your energy. We're going to bring good in. And I was like, you are, I will never let you go. (laughs) But um, even my (laughs) ex-husband who did not grow, it was not normalized for him, grew up in Orange County, like very conservative. Even he, like he didn't want to, you know, talk about my lunar cycle, but he still was like very supportive of like, he would have bought me tampons or if I needed them, he understood what was happening. So it's not to say that you have to be, you know, as your partner needs to be as advanced or further along than you are. But I do think it's worth saying nobody should make you feel like this is bad or wrong or unclean or unnatural because it is the most normal thing your body can do. 100%. Yeah. And I mean, you don't necessarily have to you know, tell him what your cervical mucus looks like that day or or take out your tampon in front of him, you know, but I mean, you can share how you're feeling and they should respect that. 
And that is so important. That is such a basic thing to respect. And it is, I mean, if they love you and they care about you, they want to learn about you. They want to know what, what makes you tick. They want to know how you're functioning so that they can support you. So I would say if your partner is not supportive of that, it's probably time to yeah, look to, elsewhere. To examine, to examine. To say it. Yeah, no, Dump I don't them. need to say it. I love it. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say or her, but I'm like, or what her. woman would not be supportive of you and your period? I feel like this is a thing. You know, it's funny going back to period power, that book, she actually says in that, like, what partner wouldn't want to know the week that you're going to most want to have sex, the week that they probably shouldn't talk to yeah. you, the week that like you're going to have the best energy, the week that you're going to want to go out. Like what partner would not want that information? It feels like the good stuff to know. So, yeah, I mean, they always say they can't read our minds. Okay, go look at your Google calendar and see when my <laughs> ovulatory phase is, okay? <laughs> yeah, you actually can. You can read my cycle. I meant to ask you this earlier on the subject of intuitive eating. Do you have any books on that category that you love? Yeah, intuitive eating. Oh, <laughs> it's called intuitive. Is, yeah. it's and is that by the doctors you mentioned? Yeah. So um wow, Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Fresh. Yeah. It's okay, called intuitive cool. eating. There's also um, an intuitive eating workbook that goes along with it if you want to dive deeper into that. There's also um, Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. She's the host of the Food Psych podcast. I really like the book. I think if you are just starting out, I would go with the intuitive eating book. Um, anti-diet is more, it it does focus on intuitive eating, but it also focuses on diet culture as a whole and the problems in there. And I think as you get into intuitive eating and start to unravel the diet mentality, and then you'll probably start to get like real passionate about it. Then I would go to (laughs) anti-diet. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, and you said earlier, you said they should go listen to my podcast and I forgot to say, what's the podcast called? Because they definitely should go listen to it with their kids or by themselves. And Take a deep dive. Yes. If you listen with your kids, just know that I swear sometimes, but it's called the <laughs> Lunar Body Podcast. <laughs> awesome. And what are you? Tell us on social, where to find you, all the all the good stuff. So my website is goodwitchkitchen.net. My Instagram is goodwitchkitchen. And I also have an online course all about this stuff. It's called Cycle Magic. Nice. Kristen, thank you so much. An hour as usual, like it flew by. So we're going to need to do episode three. Um, But I'm so grateful for your wisdom. (laughs) And I'm so grateful that you geek out like you let me geek out. If you've ever listened to me interview someone, I know I don't normally talk this much. I usually just (laughs) let them talk. But I'm so excited to talk to you that I I start jabbering. So thank you for No, I love this. This is so fun. Yeah. Where do you live, by the way? I live in Boston. Okay. I have never been to Boston, but if I ever show up, then we can hang out in real life and talk for five hours about our periods. Perfect. Totally. All right. Thank (laughs) you so much for making the time, guys. Go check out Kristen. Go follow her everywhere. Go take her course. Let's, Let's change the way we feel about our bodies and the way that the next generation learns to feel about theirs. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.